Trippier's out, Swigler. Maguire Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. A pile of English joy. Here's Gascoigne. Brilliant play. Oh! Take a bow. And here's another Owen run. He's going to worry them again. It's a great run by Michael Owen. And he might finish it off. Oh, it's a wonderful goal. Beckham strolls again. Now Pesky's to his left on Mark. Hello, welcome to the new spin-off. Euros, Euros, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Isn't it, Rich? <laughs> yeah, snappy title. Snappy title. Don't know, <laughs> don't know where we got that one from. We should have shortened the name to something like Google or Apple or Coca-Cola. We'll never, we'll never be a global force like this. <laughs> Some kind of fruit company. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I like doing it so much, I did that podcast for free. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan <laughs> first night is reference straight in <laughs> um, just a couple of things before we get started I was just going to thank uh, Hull City Ladies Danny Johnson for our, their continued support this is not as city based so still good shout out to them and our Patreons which are uh, Danny Nicol Ewan Jones Mike Hassan Adam Brown Alex O'Neill Aaron Bell and Rich Fleming obviously we've taken a pause on the City content right now because there's no real, I mean other than you know, Alfie Jones signing another two year deal and George Moncare, we've got no real City news to talk about, the main, the main stuff is the Euros. We, so. I mean we'll kind of do that pre-season anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean obviously when it, once it's back in August, September it'll focus back on City but it's, you know, it should be only once every four years we get a euro, so we might as well make the most of it. Yeah, well, once every five. <laughs> well, once every five this time. It's 2016, yeah. on it? Yeah. Um, there's a few things we're going to talk about, mostly light-hearted, but obviously anybody who's watched the Euros today um, took a rather sour turn today. Um, not ever, not really ever seen anything like that since the Fabrice Muamba stuff all those years ago. No, and that was totally different because it wasn't it something was. we were watching live. That's right. Well, not um, totally different. You know what I mean? We weren't watching yeah, that yeah. game live and experiencing yeah. it as like a, you know, it was like a continental experience of just sudden like, oh was, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, as soon fear, as, really. As soon as like, you know, it went down and stuff. It was just like, right, this is really serious. You knew it immediately, didn't you? We're, yeah. We're, we're, of course, talking about Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but it's a lot more positive now than it was when we were watching the game. A lot more um, positive than it looked for certain at the time, yeah. It's absolutely horrendous. horrendous. Absolutely I mean, horrendous. I, I think anybody watching it and, you know... Well, I was going to say anybody who's ever played the game found it, you know, very relatable. Because, I mean, Christian Eriksen will be in much, much better condition than any of us that have ever played it on a Sunday. <laughs> so it's kind of like bloody hell if it can happen yeah. to him. Very sobering thing. Um, but I mean, anybody with an ounce of humanity in the body would watch that and and just feel absolutely sick, sickened by it. It was awful. I mean that. I mean, I was watching. We were all watching it in my house. Even like my my missus never watches football with me. And she'd been watching for 10 minutes and that happened. She was like, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> I must be a curse or something. But fortunately, yeah, that... my, fortunately, my kids had kind of gone off and they weren't watching that. Yeah. Um, so it's not really, I, I wouldn't know how to explain that, to be honest. And can we just say massive props to the entire Denmark squad 
and all of the medics and everybody else who was involved in getting him safely to hospital and yeah, looks like he's looks like he's going to be okay and he's stable isn't he and they were having tests and stuff and he was conscious when he left the ground which is a miracle really because I, I i mean some of the scenes you saw we shouldn't have had to see either really let's be honest but it's it's good to know that hopefully there should be some positive news coming out of that um but obviously it's it's uh, Kaja, isn't it the um the guy yeah, who put, yeah, who put yeah. him on the side and made sure that he didn't swallow his tongue and stuff. and Yeah, just well done to all of those people involved, really, because I think they've saved his life there and hopefully he'll, he'll make a full recovery. And I don't know, but well, it'll be too early to look at whether he's going to play again or anything, but he certainly looked like he was in much better shape than he would have been otherwise. So. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, that's a little bit of a, a sombre start. We don't usually do that, but it would be remiss of us not to talk about that, I think. Um, it'll be the most talked about thing and obviously there's been a lot of kind of positive outpour on Twitter's usually a, a place where you see awful stuff um, and it's like the negative side of social media but everything that I've seen on that has been really positive and people coming together and you know the, the Finland fans were shouting Christian and then the Denmark fans were shouting Ericsson weren't they so nice uh, coming together of all the all different fans no matter who you support making sure that they want to they think he's going to be okay, so... Yeah. Yeah. Weird day. Yeah, very um, weird. Very weird. Finds McManaman. Gascoigne. Sheringham again. And Shearer. And it's 3-0. This is a fantastic England performance now. Um, now, obviously, well, people will be listening to this. They'll probably be listening to it on the Sunday because that'll when it, that's when most people will download it and listen to it, and they'll be preparing for the England game, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, as, we rec- as we record, yeah, yes, tomorrow as we record. So it's Sunday. Um, the I'm stuck. What day is thirteenth? In it tomorrow? Yeah. Yes, thirteenth. So Sunday, thirteenth, Croatia uh, at Wembley. Um, we were just going to go through a couple of kind of key players, I thought. Originally, when me and Richard talked about this, we were going to pick our 11, and then Richard said, actually, I, I, I talked myself out of every 11 <laughs> that I pick, and it depends who's fit, because it, then it would change the formation. And you are right about that. I mean, I, and it also, I mean, it also massively depends on the opposition, so it's kind of, yeah. like, you can't kind of look at it and pick it for your tournament, so to kind of go into like looking at who we would pick specifically tomorrow gets a little bit too granular doesn't it yeah it does a little bit but I mean it from those that could start tomorrow who do you think kind of we're, we're going to look for um, in terms of making sure that we get off on the because uh, I did see a stat by the way the other day since the Euros has existed we've never won the first game did you see that no I didn't We've either drawn or lost the first game every single time in its current format, apparently. Right. Which, when I think back, I can't think of anything that contradicts that either. So, I remember Euro uh, 2000 being especially awful, which I think we went out of the group stages on. Yeah, and um, Euro 96 to draw against Switzerland, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. Um, so, I think I think that's certainly true in its current format. I'm not sure how long it's... I think in Euro 88, we lost every single game. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, who, who are you going to be looking for tomorrow to 
make things happen, depending on who starts, of course. I mean, Maguire's fitness is a big thing, isn't it? I don't, yeah. Nobody's expecting him to play, are they? I don't think so, not tomorrow. I, think I know he's been training with the main group, too. hasn't he? He has, yeah. Um, I mean, he's going to be a big miss. I know that a lot of people have spent the year kind of getting on his back for, for his form for Man United, but he's integral for the way that England play. Certainly um, with a back four. Yeah, well, even with a back three, uh, you know, his ability to step out with the ball and um, kind of break the lines and, and, and get us working in down that left-hand side. We did, he used to do that for City all those years yeah, ago, didn't he? He was always a ball-playing, kind of going forward, driving with it centre-half. Once somebody of his size makes a decision that they're going to carry the ball forward, how do you stop him? <laughs> Slab-head juggernaut. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever happens with Maguire, he's, his absence or his presence is going to be key, I think. I wasn't overly convinced on Mings, I will say. No. no the stuff that I've seen. in the two but friendlies, didn't he? He didn't um, look brilliant. I know there's been a debate as to whether or not um, Ben White should be the one stepping in. Um, I mean, he, he looks all right. He just looks like he's stepped off the set of Love Island. <laughs> the tattoos and the and the newly done hair that seems to be done every single game. He, his fade never seems to like grow back. It's <laughs> always perfectly done. Yeah, and the socks right up over his knees. I mean, that is uh, that's a hell of a look for a centre back, isn't it? <laughs> Certainly is. Um, Jealousy is an ugly thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good looking um, bastard. Yeah, but I mean, whoever comes in, assuming that. Um, Maguire is is absent. Has got a big role to fill in in the system, and you know the um, consequence that that will have for the way that John Stones is then going to play, and, and what yeah. that means for his game. It's when he's he's had an excellent season, Stones. He has, right. but the, the the argument is that he needs somebody alongside him who can kind of help him through games as well. Yeah, I mean that was the because he had Diaz a lot of the season, and he was outstanding for Man City. He got Player of the Year, didn't he? From mm-hmm. uh, the uh, PFA, I think. So when he when he's got a a very very competent partner, you don't worry about him. But I think when he has to be the leader, I think he's not as not as effective. I don't know not as effective. I think yeah. Um, and that was kind of the the stones that we saw two or three seasons ago when he was like parted with like Otramendi and stuff. Yeah. He was never the most reliable centre back, was he? When he was playing for Man City, no. Um, what about in midfield? Like, who, who, who do you go with? Who, who do you want to be starting in there? Like, either like attacking mid or whatever. Did, would you go with Grealish? Would you go with Foden? Or would you have them both on the pitch? I wouldn't have them both. And, and that's one of the things that I'm really conflicted about. Um, Grealish, if you looked at him on the basis of the friendlies, um, you would say he's been given an opportunity and, and he's maybe done enough to think that he's taken that opportunity and he's, he's in the team. Yeah. But then... I mean, Phil Foden is such a good footballer, isn't he? How do you not have him in your team? Oh yeah, um, I've I mean, seen but, but Grealish is 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 great as well, and he he's made things happen in friendlies, as you say. Yeah, the the but form then... that Foden's been in that latter part of the season, it's just looked unplayable. Yeah, and, and and the same goes for Mount. Like, how do you? Yes, yeah. it's, it's kind of reminded me a little bit of the debate of when we had like Scholes, Lampard, Gerrard. Yeah, who, who misses out? So who misses out? And it's like if you get them all in, you don't have a balanced midfield, do you? No, well, that's right. It's... So, I think whoever he picks, you know, the good footballers first and foremost. 
I wouldn't pick him all for the balance. I think the one player I want to see is someone that we haven't mentioned. I'd love to see Jude Bellingham start. He's been fairly, he's a fucking, he's huge, the lad, isn't he? He's, what, is he still 17? Still 17, and I mean, he just looks so accomplished. Like, even if he doesn't play a big part in this tournament, there's, you know, like another year of development, like Qatar. He's, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, 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 it's nothing like just like the, you know, when Sven took uh, Walcott and then never played him, you know, when he was 16. Yeah. It's not this, that, though, is it? Because he's, no. he's there on merit. Like He's, he's, he's to got be a there. part to play, 100%. Yeah. Um, Jordan Henderson's not fit. So no, I mean I wouldn't play him. I, think I don't De- think he Declan should. Even, Rice is your key. I don't think he should even be there. I'd have taken Ward Prowse over him. I mean, I, this isn't an anti Henderson thing. I just think if somebody hasn't been playing for the last three months, mm. you're gambling on them. Yeah, like, and we've done that before. Hitting the ground running, we have done that. We've taken players that, like Wilshire, like oh he's not played, but oh he's magic, so we'll take but, him. I mean, yeah. even even other players like not Wilshire because he's never been a key player, but other mm. players who played that have had injuries and been key players, Beckham, Rooney, yeah, um, you know, we've taken them after injuries where they haven't played and they've been fighting for fitness coming into tournaments. Yeah, and, you know, the same could be true of, of Harry Maguire. I suppose people might be saying now, oh, but you've been saying Maguire's key, so I, I suppose the same could be said for him. Um. I think it's but, less I mean, serious of an injury. He's missed less, yeah, though, hasn't he's he? Missed, he's missed far fewer games than, than Henderson has. So, um, yeah, I would like to, I would like to see Bellingham play. I know people look and say, well, Calvin Phillips, not Calvin Phillips, um, Phillips, Phillips. Has, has um, played well for, for Leeds. Yeah. And does he not deserve the start? But, I mean, I've played Bellingham. He looks like a baller. I don't use that word very often because, you know, <laughs> of my age, it's not appropriate. No, it's not usually but... one that's uh, it's with, within our repertoire of descriptions. No, I, I mean, just I'm very impressed and very excited to, to watch him develop. That'll be the title of the episode, Bellingham's a baller. <laughs> <laughs> Bellingham's a baller, Rich's a twat. <laughs> I wasn't going to put that in, but, in, but, you know, if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> What about um, you? Who do you who would you want to see in midfield? I mean, it's such a tough one, but I'm I glad s- it's not my headache. I don't know about you. I know. I'm glad I'm not Gareth Southgate. He can't do right for wrong, can he? Really? Well, no. He's he's got um, midfield worries to think about, and then you know other things where he's having to play a diplomat and a football manager at the same time. So that's right. I mean, uh, I don't really want to go through all that again. But I mean, that statement that came out of the FA today. If yeah. there is if there is yeah. any booing after that, it's just like you're a knuckle dragger. Do one. Um, well, yeah, I feel like don't want to make it a focus because um, no, no, I've no. heard other podcasts and, and radio programs that are like football focused get side not sidetracked. That sounds wrong. You know, it's like caught up in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it detracts like... from the actual football. I think when it should be part of the start and then we go on to the football it should be something that's just respected and it's yeah, just not but it, it would be remiss of us not to mention it and, and to not say that we're fully supportive of the England players and oh massively if, if yeah. you think that that's some kind of political gesture <laughs> or in support of a Marxist organisation then you know you're as thick as mince I mean and... I think <laughs> just last thing on this really before I talk about the players I just think that like even all the way back I mean, you remember in December when some fans did come back in and like Millwall were the most kind of covered one where they did boo it and it was yeah. really it was really vociferous, um, like proper bad. And I 
at the time, like the FA had then come out and said, like, we understand that these people have these feelings about it, but actually it's not affiliated to that. It's simply a mark of respect for. I don't know how many more times the FA could come out and say, this is not linked to a political organisation. It is a an act of solidarity yeah. well, people about probably, racism. They're giving it their own narrative and, you know, that's up to them to do that. But then they also have to be aware that anybody else who, you know, sees through that will have a, a much lesser opinion of them then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, football. Um, yeah. yeah. Back to the midfield dilemma. Who you, would you pick? Well, you said that you wouldn't have Foden and Grealish on the same side. No. I mean, I mean, because then, I mean, you, I think you want Mount in your team as well. You do. Um, but then you need a holder, don't you? So that'd be what Belly. Would you have Bellingham over Rice? For no. I mean, if I was going to pick one of the two, it would be Rice. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You're going for four-two-three-one here, aren't you? So, uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think probably what we'll see out of England tomorrow is three four three. You think he'll do that? Yeah. Well, he didn't play three four three or three five two against Croatia last time, did he? Um, and that was in the twenty eighteen World Cup. But that was one of the only games they hadn't played. Well, they played with each other in the Nations League since, haven't they? They have done. In fairness, they have done. Um, I don't know. It's such a tough one. I I think Grealish. I know people then start to go, oh, well, he goes down too easily. But we, we can be positive from set pieces again because we really Absolutely. were in the last World Cup. And I think Grealish, as, as long as the referee... We're not a side that's as dependent on um, set pieces as we were three no. years ago. But, you know, we've still got that quality because, you know, Grealish can win you free kicks and then trip you can deliver. I it. mean, within I was watching the, um, the game against um, Romania and he must have been booted about... Six times within 25 minutes. And the yeah. referee blew up each time. He just didn't give a card because it was a friendly. But if he's drawing fouls like that, and he really knows how to draw a cynical foul, doesn't he? Yeah, and he almost seems to enjoy it as well. He just Somebody said, that loves getting on the ball and, and squaring yeah. players up and being like, go on then, if that's all you can do to stop me then. And it know. was a nice little, uh, little link into City because I remember um, the ti- <laughs> Tiger's Tube had retweeted that thing where Remember we'd gone away to Villa and, and, and Grealish played and we just booted fuck out of him. <laughs> like there was there was a challenge on, on him from like Elmo early on and he went down and Elmo's like ruffling his hair and telling him to get up. And then there was the last one that I saw was unreal. It was just a two footer like from nowhere from Stephen Quinn. Like the ball went and Quinn just goes <laughs> through and he flips in the air. But it goes to Grealish afterwards and he's just laughing. Like he's not rolling around on the floor or crying. He's just like these. They can't get a ball off me, so it's just a let. He just loves winding them up. Yeah, he loves. Yeah. He loves getting in the reds, and I I really like that about him. But I'm conflicted between him and and Foden because I just think Foden's such a talent. Yeah, yeah, and he can and make things thing happen with... without game without winning a free kick. He'll go past you like you're not there, and then create something. I don't know. And it would seem as well that to compound that Grealish's fitness is having to be managed as well. Yeah, it's really them stupid fucking little shin pads he wears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the same, well size, same size as my son's and he plays <laughs> under seven. <laughs> Don't wear them. Don't wear them. <laughs> but then, I mean, there's there's other things like it's it's been leaked in some papers that are ex- expecting Sterling, Sterling to start. Yeah. And I know that some people having kittens about that because he's had a poor season by his standards. But to I mean, me, I don't understand that. Because, you know, if... 
you can, I think if you miss him out, or you know, you leave, you know, other people have said that Rashford shouldn't play, shouldn't even be in the squad. Um, not, or, I think that's a bit heavy. Yeah, I'm not sure he should start. Well, yeah, but if if you leave him out, and and I think a lot of English fans as well have this um, tendency to overlook Sancho as well because we don't see as much of him. Yeah, well, unless you specifically watch the Bundesliga a lot, you, you you're not really going to have that much of a no so, of a knowledge of of how he's done that season. If you get me, you'll just yeah. see the headlines, won't you? But I think you need one of those three in just to offer somebody that you. I know that they all like to come inside and, and do their work, but they've also got that pace where they can stretch teams. And if you've got Kane leading the line, he's, he's a set, isn't he? He's a given. Yeah, oh, you, you would have thought so. But we've seen more and more with him with Tottenham that he likes to come in deep. I think that was a role he was being asked to play, though. He didn't always do that, did he? Yeah. Well, no, not always, but it, it is something that he has... He's got to his game, and if he's, he's coming he certainly in, got it. If he needs to drop deep, if we're if we're if we are kind of yeah, backs to the wall for a bit, he'll he'll get in, do a shift, and he'll start to try and pick balls up at. You so know, what I'm saying pitch, is, if, if if you've got him and, and Foden, and then maybe Grealish on the other side, you Kane's dropping deep, and then you've got two lads that aren't natural forwards either side of him. It's, yeah, I don't know. So I'd look. I think I would want one one of Sterling, uh, Rashford, or Sancho in. Um, so that's where I'm reluctant to be like Grealish, Foden, yeah, um, Mount. It's kind of it's, somebody's going to miss out. You know, very very talented players are going to miss out, and, and I'm having a hard time making that decision. Yeah, for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Kane's the certain starter up front, but then that that three behind him is just completely up for debate. And depending on what mood you're in and what opposition we've got, you'd probably go with different ones, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think they will. You know, I think it'll be three four three tomorrow, and then maybe four three three against Scotland. And, and I mean, does Scotland Scotland often play back three? Don't they? Yeah, they can do. Yeah, because they've got. Because um, I don't know if you go like for like, or you just try to play your own game and not worry what they do. Because it, it's. I don't know. I, I I kind of fear Scotland game, mate. Uh, they're going to be bang <laughs> up for it. They, they, they've they've got nothing to lose, have they? They Everyone will be expect- up for it. Everyone expects England to win, but the Scots will absolutely love being underdogs, and they'll yeah. want to. They want to. They want to send it to us, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely not an easy game in this group, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then again, I mean, Scotland uh, do play that back three, don't they? Because that's how they get um, Tierney into the same side as Robertson. That's right. Yeah, they just put them on different sides. Even well, no, Tierney plays, Tierney plays left centre-back sometimes. Is that what he tries to do? Yeah, so he, he gets both like the two best players in the squad. So, like, two, two, le- left two left-backs. Left backs, yeah. One of them centre It's like he does with Kyle Walker then, isn't it, really? Yeah, effectively, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, intre- well, I mean, I, I kind of given up overthinking this. I just want to watch the game and it's no, well, a bloody I mean, good watch. Until you said about it that we were going to talk about it, I'd actually given it very little thought because it was just like I've no idea <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing the other thing I just wanted to say was um, people saying that we need to get on the front foot and, and play attractive football and to some extent I agree with that but there also needs to be a certain amount of pragmatism because we've seen teams be pragmatic and also have very successful tournaments I mean Portugal won the last top tournament and, and they came third they in the fucking league because they, they yeah, ended they up drawing with like they didn't win it? a group game no, they didn't. They ended up coming that one of the best play, best third place teams and going through. Yeah, so you know, if if England tomorrow play cautiously, 
you can see it's after 90 minutes and everybody's going to be like, ah, why didn't we go at them? I think it's just what... the time to avoid Twitter if England ever have a bad result. Yeah, really. but it's something that we need to be aware about with this tournament. It's mm. harder almost to get knocked out at this stage than yeah. it is to go through. Because there's Certainly. only, is it four teams? Four third place teams go through, don't they? Yeah. In addition so they... to the, the first and seconds. Yeah, the, the odds are in our favour, so... Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it should bring a, a certain amount of tranquility with it. That it's it's something I don't like about this. The sixteen sixteen teams not, uh, Euros were far better because the group stages meant much more. Yeah, you, you either finish first or second, and you through. The yeah. rest of it is complex now, isn't it? Because you're like, yeah. oh well, they've got five points and they're better goal difference, and what do you? Yeah, it does complicate it rather. Yeah. Um, come on, England. That's all I'll say. <laughs> last thing, come on, boys. Harry Neville. And a goal for Barbie. Well, that will settle England down. There's Barbie now racing through and scores. Well, they lost their concentration for one set speed. And England have taken full advantage through Nick Barbie. There's a couple of things I was going to go through with you anyway. Just you know, we we tried to kind of model this. We all we always love our nineties sitcoms, um, and usually the, the the take on any of the tournaments was Bedell and Skinner's uh, fantasy football, which I think we both watched. Even though at that time, I don't think we were really as in touch with football together as we would have been otherwise. Possibly <laughs> not we old enough now. to get some of the humour as well. Probably as well, yes. Um, and and the the unfortunate thing about fantasy football league being um you know current to its time is that it's mm. not repeated anywhere that's right <laughs> it's just really poor quality on youtube yeah which is most of the nice stuff that we end up watching apart from father said to be honest <laughs> um but yeah i mean one of the things that i did notice and um do you know what was really annoying about it i wanted to go back and watch this footage but if you remember shooting stars everyone remembers shooting stars with vic and bob the uh, the ball, you I know you had your own kind of take on that little car that delivered the ball for the opening yeah. of the tournament last Fantastic. night. Fantastic, but it was like the wonderful, wonderful car that replaced the dove from above in the nineties. <laughs> it used to just come on and like it was like sporting red car, and everyone like clapped it on, and then it had an arse at the back, <laughs> and then it used to like lift up and shoot questions out its arse into Vic, Vic or Bob's hand. I cannot find any footage of it, and I don't know if I've just dreamed that or <laughs> you dreamed delete... about a car with an arse. Oh, I, I I didn't I didn't know if it was like UEFA going right. Shit, we've got this idea. Day we took off shooting stars. Get all the footage down, lads, because <laughs> then they won't have any copyright claim whatsoever. And I was nobody even... can beat it. That's it. I was even looking at like honestly, you search for the pictures. Wonderful, wonderful car. You do it. There's fuck all. Absolutely fuck all. And I thought it was a real shame because it was an absolute tailor made. Like you know how it started, how it's going, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful, wonderful car has grown up. But I mean, that was my take on the ridiculousness of the the, the ball being delivered by electronic car. Um, you you saw another good one though, didn't you? Well, yeah. Somebody had photoshopped Harry Redknapp leaning out of the window, 
Um, and, and I looked at that and I, <laughs> leaning out the window looking for Jim White leaving great, great play a great play yeah terrific, like, oh, terrific. yeah of course yeah, you don't want to talk about him player. but he's a terrific player wonderful player <laughs> you're a bit of a wheeler dealer out here fuck off <laughs> tell me a fucking wheeler dealer Nick yeah. Crenshaw yeah he's a wonderful player he's a wonderful <laughs> player get him... Nico we're getting the boys back back together band back together you in yeah. Just waiting for someone to prang a ball off the back of his head. Going, no wonder you're in the fucking reserves. <laughs> you were ready for that, were you? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that was one of them, and there was yeah. another one that was and a little then, bit more hull based. I, I said that somebody more talented than me should uh, photoshop Ronnie Pickering leaning <laughs> out the window. <laughs> You're a and, fucking bare knuckle, dear. And old Grandpa Joe apparently Googled it and somebody had already done oh, that. As if, as if somebody had already done that. Uh, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Ronnie Pickering. Oh? Yeah, me. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, that, wasn't it? It's like four times he says that. Yeah. After you'd said that this morning, uh, and I knew we'd mentioned it on this, I looked up the clip again and I was just absolutely happy. Yeah. Yo, you fucking divvy. Yo. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Ronnie Pickering. Oh, right. The blokes just absolutely got him like all day on toast. Oh, Ronnie Pickering. Oh, Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> like, there's a rage in him. Who so the fuck's you... that? Yeah, me. <laughs> me. All right then. All right. Well, good for you. Fuck off then. <laughs> One of the best. But, I mean, it's taken him a long way. Seen on a whole street. There, there he was uh, delivering the match ball yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine him just calling the ref like. You, you silly cunt. Get over here when you made that fucking stupid decision. Do you want a bare knuckle? Do you want a bare knuckle, then? Come on, then. <laughs> Meanwhile, his wife sits next to him, not saying a yeah, word. Just, just not moving. Straight on. Complete fear. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, well, that was, uh, that was one of the things we noticed. Also, Italy's kit wasn't nice, was it? None of those Puma away kits are. Nah, it's a really weird, bad, a aren't weird, they? A weird template. Although we did notice, um, thanks to Twitter today, that one nice touch on the back of Switzerland's kit was that their um, name sets and numbers were uh, uh, in Hel- the Helvetica, Helvetica font, yeah, which is a, a very very subtle nod to their um, or to the creator of the Helvetica font, who also happens to be Swiss. I, th- I thought that was a nice little touch, but it still offends me that everything is in lowercase on their shirts. <laughs> I really hate it. It gives me anxiety looking at the back of their shirt, going, who the fuck's done this? Where Did we run out of capitals, lads? <laughs> I even saw somebody suggest that the first letter should be capital and everything else should be lowercase. That made me even more anxious. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell, don't mix them. You need to have one or the other, but don't have, don't have lowercase. You need it blocks, don't you? I mean, there have been shirts where they've been like mixed. Oh, God. I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> Imagine looking at your printing. When you've I got know your... I've... I've oh. got at least one messy shirt where the I is in lowercase. Oh God! <laughs> I just don't. I just do not like the idea of that at I all. A, I think it's quite a common theme on Barcelona shirts, actually, because I think they've got an Iniesta one where the ends in lowercase. Oh well, dear so. me! Not not for me. But the same height. It's the same height as the capitalised letters. That's weird. <laughs> We're really getting to the nitty-gritty of kits here, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, there's there's only been four games to talk about, and here we are talking about printing on shirts. But I do think the the Puma kits are shocking. 
They've mm-hmm. no, put no effort. The template, as you say, is bloody awful. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame because Italy's home strip is lovely. Yes. Yes. Uh, but we, we knew this from the when we watched the uh, Austria game. They, they were in a lot like training shirts. Yeah. Don't they, those away ones. It's really yeah. bizarre. Um, Turkey weren't great, were they? No, and a lot of people were tipping them to be dark horses. But Every, um... everybody I'd seen listened to podcasts, read some stuff from like Guardian Athletic stuff like that. They'd all gone, "Oh yeah, Turkey one to watch out for." Because blah blah, blah. And it, they were they just didn't look like they were going to do anything. No, no I mean I don't know if that's just because Italy are really good and they were made well, they to are, but, I mean, Turkey Turkey just couldn't look after the ball, causing no. a lot of problems. No, we ju- they just panicked, didn't they? They had absolutely yeah. no composure on the ball whatsoever. And then as soon as it, as soon as that one went in, the first one went in, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Flip I mean, you, you could tell you could tell it was coming from the way that the the, the flow of the game was 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 being played out. Yeah, great finish as well. Is it uh, insignia? Was it the third yeah. goal? Yeah, it was. Just I mean, his body so up, much but... space though, and and they had a. They'd had a warning shot in the first half where he didn't quite get his angles right. Yeah, it was see what he was doing, wasn't it? No, he bent it wide. Oh, I think there was another one first half though where he tried to do that and then it had just gone in straight to the keeper's palms. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some outstanding performances uh, last night. I was impressed with Immobile. Yeah. Um, I mean, he scored so many. Last year in Serie A wasn't one of his best, but the year before, he scored a hell of a lot of goals. Was it over 30, wasn't it, the yeah. season before? Yeah. Yeah. They've got yeah. some. Ve- they've got some excellent players, and I, do you know what I did love as well? At the end, it looked like Turkey might get a goal back, and then there was Cellini, absolutely fucking beasted <laughs> it, and he celebrated it as though he'd scored a goal. Yeah, I it always was appreciate absolutely that. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I Just love sheer, that sheer love of defending. It was just like, fuck off, not in this house. <laughs> <laughs> this is Matt's That's house, not today or any day. That's right. He's not up in here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely brilliant. So yeah, good opening to the tournament, and then. Um, what do you make of the Wales game? It, well, first first 45, um, didn't think too much to it, but then second half came to life a bit. Yeah. Um, I thought Wales were a little bit tentative. Um, they seemed to sit off the ball. And especially at 1-0 down, they, they seemed to sit off um, Switzerland. I'm quite happy to let them have it. But then about an hour to go... Oh, half an hour to go, sorry, an hour gone. It, it seems to change a little bit and mm. it was like, okay, well, we're going to have to go for it and they started to get more chances and their equaliser was a lovely one. Good header, very yeah. good header. Great ball in as well. Yeah, yeah, but, it, you know, the Switzerland defence was static. I think, I think... They, they just kind of knocked off, went to sleep, so oh, we've got this 1-0, it'd be right. Yeah. They're not really going to threaten us and you can't do that against any team that's in the Euros, in my opinion, because even the smaller teams will punish you, won't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen what Wales did in, in 2016. Yeah. Um, of course, they relied on Danny Ward, who was probably man of the match. He was excellent, and he's absolutely bloody wasted at Leicester, by the way. Well, yeah. I mean, he should be somewhere playing regularly. I mean, he's played, four, I saw stat, 14 games last three seasons he's played. Wow. And he's still near Wales' he's number one for today. It's yeah, unbelievable. it's not bad. But, but yeah, I mean... Keith Amar looks smart. I think there's a debate in um, leading up to the tournament as to whether or not they play him or they play Harry Wilson as a false nine. But I think he justified his selection today. Certainly he was did. he was alive yeah. to that ball coming into the box, and you could see on TV that his marker when he starts his run, he's not even looking at him. 
No, and he's I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's past him, and he's he's attacking that front post, and we could all see it. And we were talking about in our group mm. chat yeah. while Robbie Savage is having an orgasm. Oh mate, and, oh my god! Not doing right. what he's supposed to be doing, which is breaking down the play as a former professional. He's just there, like saying to his co-commentator, "Like you're excited, feel these nipples." <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally was a scene out of dodgeball, wasn't it? Or basketball. 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 <laughs> it, it did remind me of the dodgeball thing with Pepper Brooks when he's there. He's just like, yeah, he will. When he's put the blindfold on. At the end I've of never seen it. Like, Have you never seen dodgeball? No. no there's, there's a great scene at the end where uh, the, the character like blindfolds to do this shot and everyone thinks it's mad. And the commentator, when he goes, I can't believe it, he's blindfolded himself. And the, the other guy, Jason Bateman, plays him with his like backwards cap on, like this cool dude, and he just goes, "Yeah, he will not be able to see very well there, Carton." <laughs> <laughs> just like saying the absolute bleeding obvious. But that's what Savage was doing. It pretty much was. He yeah. was he, he he was just a, a commentator from a, an American comedy film. Just the worst type of punditry, like absolutely, see, literally saying what was on the screen. Like it's a great ball. He's headed it. The keeper hasn't been able to save it, and because it's crossed the line, it's a goal. Like, thanks, Robbie. <laughs> thanks for coming. I re- it's just, I mean, it's not even punditry, is it? We just got no, a whale, he's, it's got he, a Wales fan. It was the old school fan TV from fucking Sky. Yeah, it was, it was exactly. It was fan fan zone, wasn't it? They used yeah. to call it fan zone, where you got. The Liverpool Man U game, and you had a Liverpool fan and a Man U fan, and they had they were as biased as as they could be, and whatever. And Savage just fit that mould completely. He's a rubbish pundit. Yeah, it's like if um, if for the England games on ITV they put Ian Wright on. Yeah, I mean y- y- you're all right with that kind of stuff in the studio, and you can see all the like the celebrations afterwards and stuff. But it's not for the actual commentary experience, you it, want, is it? Especially in this day and age where you've got people like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher on Sky who are doing great work in providing us all with an education and giving you detailed and complex... Um, the tactical breakdowns. Yeah, and, you know, the yeah. benefit of their experience. But then you've got in the biggest free-to-air football event in three years... And you've got Robbie Savage creaming him, creaming his pants because Wales have scored a goal, and he's so excited that he can't properly articulate and use the benefit of his supposed superior knowledge to tell us what's going on in the game because he's too involved in it himself. He's... I just think it's 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 poor all round. I just think like, did you watch the Europa League final with my new um, Sevilla? Uh, yes. Did you not? Unfortunately, just, did you not? Because it, it was an awful game. I know yeah. it was, but did you not just think like, do these pundits watch anything except top six Premier League football? Because they just they didn't even mention Sevilla, and they were just like, oh well, yeah. mid table La Liga, they should do these, and it's like, do you even do your research? Like, this is this is not something where you can just go, oh yeah, by the way, there's another team in the final as well. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, it just feels like that. The, the, I saw some stuff today that uh, in the press conferences before. There's Luka Modric, and he was talking about the old school kind of England arrogance. Mm, they're fixated on this, aren't they? The Croatians, and, and they said something about it isn't the players at all. It is the commentators, the media, 
and some journalists that they really dislike. It was interesting to see that because it was just, usually you just get it aimed at the England players that oh they never go and play anywhere they just you know mm. they just stay in their own I country mean, that's and less and less true these days it is less and less true certainly but they they weren't aiming it the, the the criticism that Croatia weren't aiming it at the players it was very much the the punditry and mm. I actually see where they're coming from when you see shite like BT Sport pull out. And then BBC did today yeah, um, for the Wales game, essentially. Obviously, I'm not talking here about the Denmark game. But it, when you've got such a biased commentator like that, you, you even though you may, you'll go, oh, yeah, well, obviously, he's a supporter, so he'll want him to win it. You, you, Gary Neville commentates on he Man United him. games all the time, and he always but, calls it out as being, oh, no, that was awful. Or he says, yep, yeah, really good goal for whoever the opposition is. He, he can he be does, objective about it. He can it. be very objective, and it's that's a very difficult thing to do, but he manages mm. to do it, you know, 90% of the time. He, he, if he thinks that Man United don't deserve a penalty, he'll see it. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Robbie Savage, any time anyone was going down, as well, you've got to give that ref. Yeah, but, I mean, practically celebrating that offside decision on Switzerland on the, the, the second goal that was ruled out for Switzerland, you know, celebrating as if he was the one that raised the flag. You yeah. know, oh, I called it, I called it. Yeah, he was... Didn't. He, he didn't. Was, he was practically channeling um, Mike Dean in celebrating the decision. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> you know that video when Mike Dean runs off, be- celebrates because he's given uh, advantage, and he's 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 waving his arm like in the yeah. air when Tottenham score in it. Robbie Savage was doing the punditry equivalent of that today. <laughs> well, it was that. It was also like the uh, the 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 clip of Mike Dean I've seen because he supports Tranmere. And Tranmere oh, got promoted yeah. and he's just in the middle of all the fans like yeah. throwing his fist out. Oh, that was also Robbie Savage. Cringe. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. Maybe they're one and the same. Has anybody ever seen them in the same room? Ooh. It could be a wig that Savage wears. It could be. <laughs> I remember Dino, Dino used to call him a bee in a bottle. Yeah. He said, "What you put a bee in a bottle, what do you do? He fucking buzzes about, doesn't it? That's all he does. He's just a fucking <laughs> pub player. <laughs> Always rely on a good... Good description of somebody's personality or playing style from day one. Yeah, um, and then obviously, well, we, I know we've we've talked about the the Denmark game, but they they did restart that, and I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. So I know we should be talking about the fact that Finland have got the first win in the Euros, but it kind of feels a bit empty. Yeah, and you know, under different circumstances, it would have been a very very significant win for them. It's their first major tournament. And I think they're the first team in the history of the Euros to win with only one shot on target. Wow! Did I see that? I could be wrong on that. I, I think I think that did surface on Twitter. I, I've I've heard that. I think I feel like I've read that information. Um, it literally was the only shot on target. I think that they scored from. Um, but I mean, yeah, under different circumstances, they'd be like, "Well, fair play to Finland." And I think it is. It's something where you can say that game was affected by what happened and what UEFA had kind of said was look you can play at two uh, you can play at 12 tomorrow or you can play now yeah. and the players just said let's get out of the way let's just play because we know he's, he's in a hospital and he's recovering yeah and I think their manager said something to the effect of let's just get it done exactly because they'll have like a three or four day kind of rest before the next game but, won't they so, I mean such a difficult position for them to be put in when you think about the the part in the sport that emotion and management of emotions and, and things like that can play in, in elite level sport and elite level football. I mean, what a difficult position for them to, to I can't, be in. And I, I don't think I could play. No, massive credit to them that they were able to go back out there having 
seeing what they'd seen and also mm. the part, the, the, the significant part that they played in that in in helping their teammate to receive the treatment and then helping him to maintain his dignity in front of a worldwide audience. Like massive credit to them. Massive, um, you know, players of the tournament already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, which only leaves obviously one game, which I think you've I understand you've just finished watching, mate. Yes, yeah, I watched it on a delay after I started recording it when I knew that the Denmark game was coming back. So I watched uh, yeah. Belgium and Russia. Yeah, I think one great. No, uh, the, 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 it was a pretty big gulf. Um, yeah, Russia, Russia, Russia did not impress, did they? No, it got better second half, but I mean the first half, uh, Belgium just stretched the pitch as big as they couldn't. Um, with their kind of four four two, Russia just couldn't cope with the wing backs. The pitch was massive. No, no. I mean they, they've often played a three five two all the time, Belgium, yeah. aren't they? Because just the way that he, he decides to play it, but it obviously worked to their advantage. Yeah, but, I mean the wing backs stretched it, and if if Russia wanted to deal with the width, then it left the passing channels in the middle for for Belgium to exploit, and just nothing Russia could do. They couldn't lay a glove on them. It, no, it men, men quite, versus boys, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it got a bit dull towards the end because you could just tell that it wasn't it wasn't going to yeah. happen it was like an exhibition match wasn't it mm, and, and that's that's the trouble with the 2014 tournament yeah um, yeah last thing i've noticed um so yeah, far on. is that i don't like this um multi country format i think it's left the feel of the tournament it it feels quite fractured i like it when yeah. it's contained in one country and you can kind of get a mood for the place and and obviously, that's difficult with people not being able to travel and stuff. But it, it, it is it's quite jarring when you're going from Baku to Copenhagen and then out to um, was it in St Petersburg? Yeah, in Russia, it's quite jarring. I don't like that as much as as I like um, it being in one host country. I mean, so and the, temp- the temperature differences as well, just weird. Yeah, like, I mean, Baku looks fucking boiling. Yeah, and I was. I think I heard today that France could potentially play in as many as seven different locations, whereas um, on the other side of that, England could play six games at Wembley, I think. I'm they right could, yeah, they could. It just depends who they draw and if they win and all of that. But yeah, they, could, they it, could just play it at home the whole time. It, it seems to give um, some teams massive advantages and other teams, you know, a lot to do and at the end of a compacted season for everyone, like let's say France do have to go to seven different places. Yeah. Travel is, is um it puts an awful lot um of wear on the players. And you know, we've seen today that players are fragile. So it's certainly you, yeah. maybe the consequences won't be quite as dramatic and serious as you know they were today and, and most likely not. But it do it, it's an it's one of those things where it can have that maybe five or ten percent that matters in top level sport, so I, I think it's it's um, one of those things that they've done for um, cash, and I would not want to see it repeated. I don't know what the situation is for Euro twenty twenty four, but it's, this isn't the one for me. No, I, I understand that. I also think if you're still doing this in the pandemic, that if you're having all of the country, all of the different competing nations in one country, you are going to have a situation like you've got in South America. Mm. Because um, the yeah. Copa, Copa America there, they just what um, was it? Uh, Venezuela, fourteen different players yeah. have tested positive. They've had to basically get a whole new squad sent out to Brazil, and yes. they'd already moved it from um, from Argentina anyway, haven't they? Yeah, 
yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. You, you know, that that is a valid point, I guess. For I mean, for I, I wasn't year. disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that that it also <laughs> comes with its own problem if you're having all the teams yeah. in one country. Yeah. So I guess that's the other side of it, and 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 maybe yeah. it will work out, and we just have to suck it up. The fact that it doesn't feel quite as it you know as fun as it did in like 2012 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When Andy Carroll scored that header. <laughs> In Sweden, long yeah, time ago now. 2016 it? definitely wasn't fun. <laughs> no, fuck me. Bloody shocking. Not if you were watching from home, anyway. Definitely not. Um, I don't think I've noticed anything else. I'm going to look very closely in the next few weeks. Well, a well, few games before we record again. I'm sure we'll probably do one um, either after the first England game or, or um, before the second one as maybe a preview. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to try and keep them. Well, we said actually half an hour. We've been talking about fifty minutes because that's just usually what we do with the podcast. <laughs> but definitely under an hour, right? Yeah, definitely under an hour. <laughs> um, and hope also that you enjoy Richie's hard work that's been put into the new musical jingles with the England commentary because I love it. So <laughs> sounds very good. So well done on that, mate. Good chat as always. Yeah, and uh, thoughts of three lions. Thoughts of three lions up <laughs> up the up the England. <laughs> Three lines on a shirt, it's coming yeah, home and all that. It yeah. does sound right. It's coming home. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. It's coming home. It's coming home. That'll be our sign off. We won't say pause <laughs> I feel like you're talking in another language. <laughs> and we don't do that. Not this summer. Do, not this summer. It stays at home. Just ask Amanda Holden. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Come on. Three lines on a shirt and all that, mate. Enjoy the game. <laughs> you too. Speak to you soon. See ya.